Well, y'all glad to be in church this morning? Thinking about it, huh? Well, get your Bibles out. And just kind of throw it open there for a minute. I'm going to need some volunteers this morning. <laughs> ah, praise God. Now, y'all just say, it'll be okay. Y'all will be okay. Look at the person beside you say, it'll be okay. We'll make it. You'll make it. You'll make it. Okay, so um, before I go on, before I get off track, uh, how did everybody do this week with the plan? I heard some great things. I heard a lot of great things going on. And so this, this is a new week, okay? You, you, you did uh, Luke chapter 2. This is a new week. We're going to go with the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, okay? So that's going to be your scripture, your chapter this, this week, John chapter 1. Again, if you go to the website or you go to the, uh, uh, the phone app and you look at it, I've got it on there. I've got a little video on the phone app and, uh, that you can look at. It's got the chapter with it there. You can do it. Like I said, this is something that each and every one of you have to uh, get to where you want to figure out what works for you, whether you... Uh, read it off your phones, read it, uh, you know, off your Bibles, or you're doing it in the morning, you're doing it in the evening, you're doing it when you're drinking coffee in the afternoon, whatever. You just got to figure out what works for you. Because I know that I know that I know that I know that the Holy Ghost told me that if you would begin to do this and you would begin to read the Word, you would begin to look at the Word as a family unit, that then He would begin to open up an understanding to you and your family, and you would begin to hear the voice of God clearer than you've ever heard it before. You'd begin to hear uh, 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 the, and see the moving of God in your lives. Because he gave me the scripture, Isaiah 62, 10. He said, open up the gates. And if you'll open up those gates in your life and you'll throw open your heart, the Holy Spirit will start to speak to you. So you may find your answer in, the, in this week in John chapter 1. But then again, it may be John chapter 1 led you to something else or another thought that happened in Thursday of next week that just happened to be the answer that you needed for the situation you're going through. But he wants to show you things like this because God wants to show himself strong to you. Do you believe that? And I, 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 you know, I had this little saying, the Holy Spirit will intervene and all will be seen in 2019. I really believe that God wants to just pop things open to you, reveal them to you. You may have been struggling or wrestling with a problem for years and years, but this year will be the year the Holy Spirit will show you why you've walked through this, why you've done this, why this has happened to you. Do you believe it? This is a different year. I'm telling you, church, this is a different year. I know with all of my heart, God wants to do some amazing things. But as you read the scriptures, you're going to ask yourselves these three questions. What does it say? Okay, what, what's the general text of the thing? What does it say? What do you see in it? What's speaking to you out of it? Because like I said, the, the Holy Spirit has a way of you reading something, but then he illuminating something that ties in with it that is really opening up another whole, you know, can of worms. Okay, so then what do you see? How it applies to you? And then how is, what are you learning from it that then you can help others? Because Christianity is about service. If you didn't know that, you forgot to read the fine print on the bottom of the contract when Jesus gave you eternal life. It was that you gave your life to him so that we could all serve and be a blessing to the world. So, you know, uh, if you miss that part, it's there. Okay? So, anyway, so we want to know, see, okay, then how can we help 
others by what we learn. So I don't want to go back over everything I went to because uh, I have been talking about conviction. But if you haven't heard any of the message, I don't want to get you turned off this morning because normally when we think of the word conviction, we think of something that makes us, our definition would be like, it makes me feel bad. But that's not really what the biblical word for conviction means. What the word for conviction means is illumination, opening up, unveiling, letting you see what's not seen or not understood. That's really what conviction is in the, in the, in the, in the biblical sense. So when I'm talking about conviction, I'm talking about you coming into an encounter with God to where you, your eyes are open. Now, yes, it may be, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That may be the conviction. But the revelation is you shouldn't have said that. That's why you got in a fight with your wife. Don't anybody put their head down because I know you did. Right? That's why you got... In, in conflict, so the Holy Spirit says, no, when she said that, it made you feel this way, and you need to be healed of that so that that doesn't affect you anymore. So you can, I can move in your life. It's, it's, a, it's, it's all good. You see what I'm saying? God never wants you to say, you're a sinner. And that's what's been wrong with the church. The church is preached. I'm talking about the, the body, of the, the, the church, you know, universal. The problem is that we've preached for too long all hellfire and damnation, and nobody wanted to come back to church because all they're trying to do is make people feel bad about the things that they've done. But I say that does you no good. What you want to do is you do want to feel bad enough that you repent so that God can heal you because God's for you. He wants you blessed. If you keep putting your hand down the hole and keep getting snake bit, God's trying to teach you, quit putting your hand in the hole. He loves you. Okay, so go to uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Let's start here. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, 44. <clears throat> Matthew 13, 44. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. You know, I've told you this story before, but when I was a young man growing up and we, and we, had, we were farming or, farming or ranching and uh, we'd be plowing, I'd have a chisel rig and I'd be plowing. I could hardly watch forward to where I was driving because I was always looking back. I just knew I was going to pull up a treasure box. I was a crazy kid, had a big imagination. I just knew it. I knew I was going to snag the chisel in there and a box of gold was going to flip out. I just knew it. And there was this one section of, of the field that had a old well on it. And so we knew that there'd been a house there, some, some, something there at some point, we always had to plow around it. And I always knew right there, there's, there's going to do, there's going to, I'm going to pull up, I'm going to pull up the treasure. But you know, the scripture, what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of heaven is like, you found the treasure. And then you covered it back up with dirt. And then he went over and said, I'd like to buy your field. Well, I like that field. Well, how much do you want for it? Well, what do you want? And the next thing you know, start negotiating, and then you just keep throwing money on the table because you want the field because you know what's in the field. Hello? Next one, he says in verse 45 about the great pearl, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl, who when he has found one pearl, everybody say one pearl, one pearl. of great price, he went and he sold all he had and he bought it. He wanted the one pearl, and he sold everything. 
And what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of heaven begins to work in your life when you have the conviction of God on the inside of you that it's worth selling out everything in your life for Jesus. See, what happens is, is and, and I, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to step on your toes this morning. I'll let the Holy Ghost do that. I'm just being the preacher. But I just want you to understand what happens to us is <clears throat> we start walking this Christian life with Jesus, and then the minute we become uncomfortable in being more Christ-like, well, then we, we begin to either try to figure out a reason why that doesn't apply. We try to find a church that preaches what you want to hear. We try to find a Bible translation that'll work it around so you don't have to deal with it. Because the truth of the matter is we don't want to deal with it. We like being comfortable. I mean, I will admit it. There's a part on the inside of me, the Robert Richards I keep locked up in a cage, that wished the days of gun smoke were still here. So that if somebody's got a problem, we don't have to go with no you know, milly mouth, this, that, legal measures or anything like that. Just go out on the street. If you're faster than me, kill me. If not, I'm going to kill you. Then all you had to do was stay home all day long and practice. <laughs> I mean, you'd be stupid to just go get a gun and think you could do it. You better start practicing and you would just practice all day long. You'd be out there all day long. Yeah, this is how we settle disagreements. <laughs> yeah, we're getting good. huh? But that's not the way it is. Oh, we don't settle disagreements like that anymore. But Jesus is saying, if you want the kingdom of heaven to be functioning in your life, if you want the kingdom of heaven to operate in your life, because folks, I'm telling you, I believe in a God of power. I believe and I know that Jesus is a God of power. I know that he wants to work in our lives. I know that he will work in our lives. And it's not just salvation to get to heaven and get through the pearly gates. You're not left on this earth as orphans. You're not left out there to just fight through this life to try to win the best that you can or, 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 or you know, uh, uh, make it through the, the, this life and navigate the courses of life just the best that you can. And then when you get to heaven, then, okay, you made it to heaven. No, that's not what this Christianity is about. That's not what Jesus died on the cross for. He died on the cross so that we could walk in victory in this life. Not, listen, listen to me, not that everything would be perfect in life. There's a difference. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. John 16, 33. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In other words, you're going to have the flat tire. You're going to deal with the cedar dust. You're going to have the ugly people. You're going to have the problems and situations. But be of good cheer because I'm with you and I'm going to take you through it. You're going to be the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace talking around and saying, hey, Lord, this is kind of cool. I never thought about in a furnace before, but wow, this is, this is kind of nifty. Hello? We don't want to go to the fiery furnace. This, I don't think any of us do. Nobody wants to go into the fiery furnace because the fiery furnace is scary. But Jesus said, I'm with you. Don't worry about it. I'll make sure your clothes don't burn. So when you come out on the other end, God gets glorified. Who wants to wander in the wilderness for 40 years? That ain't no fun. Can't be any fun. The word wandering in there is what I don't like. Are y'all with me? But the, the thing is, is we're going through this life. We're pilgrims passing through. I know where we're headed. I know where I'm going, right? But what we're looking for is to see, is to get ourselves to where we can function to, the, to, to everything Jesus died for. All right? That's where conviction comes in. Now, I've had this. This stationary bicycle sitting here for, I don't know, five minutes. 
however long I've been in here, six minutes, seven minutes. And let me ask you a question. Have any of you, because you've been in the presence of this stationary bicycle, gotten healthier? I'm sure all of us have a piece of exercise equipment laying around in the garage or somewhere like that. And when you bought it, you did not get that treadmill. You didn't get that stair stepper. You didn't get that stationary bicycle. You didn't bring it in the house and say, glory to God. I'm feeling healthier already. Woo, man, I lost five pounds just yesterday. I mean, if you could, you know, you know how, how great it would be to sell those things and you just brought them in your house. You didn't have to ride it. You didn't do anything with it. You just put it in the house and you became healthy. Go to the doctor. The doctor says, man, you're, you're, your cholesterol is better than it's ever been. Your, your blood pressure is better than it's What have you done? I bought an exercise bicycle. Really? How much do you ride it? Oh, I don't. It just sits in the house. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If, I, if this morning's message was I took that, 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 that uh, stationary bicycle apart in front of you, I told you how many screws were in. I told you what size the screws were, what threads they were. I told you how the... the uh, brake system in that thing worked, the, the, that, and I showed you how the knob worked and how you could put the resistance lever and how it was t tightened the band and how it did this and that and the other. And I even got down to the details of what the rubber was made out of. I came down and told you what the seat was made out of, told you what the metal was made out of. I told you how long every piece was. And I had this thing just laid out for you, and I, I, just, I explained this thing to you perfectly. And then all of a sudden, you had this knowledge. Is that going to make you healthier? If I came in here... And, 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 and then I had another one that was supposedly better than that one. Have you ever noticed the commercials all out there of no matter what the company is that's selling a piece of exercise equipment? Have you ever seen a fat guy own that equipment? No, no. They put somebody that's already healthy, somebody that's already skinny. They're yeah, they're going up there. They've got a big screen. Now they've got televisions on there, you know, where you can look at it and you're climbing up mountains and you're doing all this stuff. And that person's, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. And they, they, and they say, this is better because this does this. But is it not the truth that none of it makes you healthier unless you use it? I drug this thing all the way from my house in here because I'm trying to make a very pointed point for you this morning. I could give you all the information. I could tell you why the other one, that a more expensive model was better. I could retain that. I could have that knowledge, and I could give that knowledge to you so that you could go to the coffee shop, and you could sit around with your friends, and your friends says, you know, I was thinking about buying a, uh, a stationary bicycle for exercise. You know, those stationary bicycles are one of the best bicycles that they make. You know, this is the one that you want. You know, our pastor explained this whole thing to us. He told us, all that. this has got this amount of screws and this amount of bolts and this amount of stuff, you know, and this is the best one, and you do it, and the resistance on this thing right here, like this. And they say, really? That sounds great. Oh, yeah, it's the greatest model. No, no doubt. It's the best model. You'll lose weight on that model if you use to get that model. Really? Yeah. Do you have one? Oh, yes, I've got one. Do you use it? No. <laughs> you could become a salesman. You could be out there. You could be so convinced in your mind, and you knew it. You knew the technology behind it. You're so convinced this is the greatest model. There is no model better than this. This is the one that will help you lose weight. You could convince, you could go over and get you a TV show. And you'd have all that knowledge. But if you never took that bicycle and you never rode that bicycle, you're not going to get any healthier. So does it stand to reason that if you go to church and you get in the presence of Jesus, 
And you just say, oh, there's Jesus. No, hi. It's not going to make you healthier. It's not going to make you spiritually stronger. You may know his presence. Jesus said that there will be people that will cast out devils, that will do miracles in his name, that will preach the gospel in his name. But he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Wait a minute. How is that possible? Just like the bicycle. They know all about it. They know all how it works. They know all the mechanics of it. They know everything about it. It's all in their head and nothing in their heart. They never used it. They never experienced it. They never practiced it. So they knew that Jesus was the Son of God. They told everybody Jesus was the Son of God, but they never made him the Son of God of their hearts. Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. You can buy a Bible, and you can take the Bible home, and you can put the Bible. You can put it on your coffee table. Get it with them big family Bibles. I mean a big one, right? Put it out there in the center of the room. Everybody say, oh, you got a big Bible. Yeah, you got a big Bible. That Bible's not going to make you holier. Having that Bible in your house, you get you a small Bible, put it in your pillowcase, and sleep on the thing. You ain't gonna get any, you're not going to know what the Word of God says. Hey, how about this? You could take it. You could read the Bible. You could get the Bible. You could read it, and you could read it, and you could read it, and you could read Oh, that's so good. You decide you want to go to Bible school. You go to Bible school. You take Bible 101, Bible 102, and 3, and 4, and 5, and 6, and 7. You get you a doctor. You become doctor, so-and-so, and never know Jesus. You say, well, Robert, I don't know if that's possible. There was Pharisees who knew the Bible backwards and forwards, for forwards and backwards. They knew all the book. They knew all the law and were standing into us in the middle of a square with Jesus and kill him. Run it out to everybody around him saying, come on, poke him. come on, holler, kill him, kill him, kill him. I mean, did nothing cross their mind that that would be wrong. To stand there wanting to kill a man. Not just kill a man, crucify him. Beat him, beat the life out of him, crucify him. And they're standing there with their religious garb on, and they, knew, and they were like, we know God, we are religious, but they didn't know anything. Had nothing in their hearts. It was all in their heads. You can find people out there, I want to tell you something. You can find people out there that are doctors. You can find people in Bible college. You can find people that are, that are professors that don't know Jesus. Because having knowledge, just like knowing how that bike works, just like knowing that that bike is a good thing that will make you healthy, but never crawling on it and never pedaling is not going to do you any good. And what's wrong is, is there's no conviction in the hearts of people to know Jesus and really know him. I told you about the person last week that came up to me and, and, and they'd never seen me outside the setting of this church and they haven't seen me uh, uh, you know, they don't know, they don't know who I am. They know me behind the pulpit, but they don't know who I am. And, and they were, I was out in, at, at my house, we were pouring concrete and uh, walked up, said, hey, how you doing? And he didn't recognize me. And in a minute I said, hey, it's me, your pastor. And he's like, oh my gosh. Because you see, he didn't know me outside of the setting of this church. He didn't know me except in here with the dress like I am like this. And it hit me when he said that to me, man, my heart, it hit me in my heart. I was like, my gosh, does, is that the way people know Jesus? We know Jesus on a Sunday morning. We know a Sunday morning Jesus. We don't know a Monday morning Jesus. We're not convicted to know what a Monday morning Jesus looks like. We're not convicted to know what Jesus looks like in the trenches, in the hard times. We only know Jesus in the good times. We only know Jesus with the church. The, ch the chairs are nice and the air conditioning's on and, and we've got pretty people around us all and everybody's dressed in their good stuff. 
You see, we've got to have conviction in our heart to know Jesus. We've got to know, does it do any good to get on that bicycle? Now, I want you to know this is mine, my wife and I. We've got a couple of hundred miles on this thing, so it's not like it's not totally unused. I'll be honest with you right now, it's not the source of my exercise right now, but I, it was the thing that got me started in exercising. Because I told myself, you can do this. You can sit on this thing for 20 minutes. And I was like holding a gun to myself to make myself do it. But I did it because I knew it would work. And I lost pounds on it and I got stronger on it. But it didn't do any good sitting there. Jesus isn't going to do any good in just your Bible at the house, just your Sunday morning Christianity, just your, your, your little bit of believing that you've got some kind of secret password because you have Jesus that you'll throw up a prayer and it'll get answered. I've told this story a lot of times, but I remember I almost had a riot one time I was preaching in the county jails and, and, I, and I was trying to make a point and I said, if there, was a, you know, if there was a password to get into heaven and that's all I said, but they misunderstood what I said, they thought I said there was a password to get into heaven and they just went nuts. They just got crazy. So tell us a password. Tell us a password, preacher. You got to tell us a password. And I, so, I mean, it got to where I was kind of feeling a little threatened because they were getting very aggressive. And I said, no, I said, if there was a password, and they said, no, you tell us a password. You're not leaving today unless you tell us a password to get into heaven. And I said, it's Jesus. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they were panicked because all of a sudden they thought, wait a minute, that's, I've never heard that there's a password to get into heaven. And see, if you knew a password or if there was a password to get in heaven and you're not doing anything with it, folks, listen to me, that's not going to get you spiritually healthy. What gets you spiritually healthy is the conviction of the Holy Ghost in your heart that you have found the pearl of great price. You have found the field that you want to sell all to buy. And you're like, I want, I want to know everything. I want to read my Bible. I want to go through that chapter with my family. I want them to all look at it. I want to see, Jesus, what are you talking about here? You're going to look. You're going to reference. You're, going to, you're seeking. You're yearning. You're hungry. Every day you're crying out. No matter where you are, what you're doing, you're crying out saying, Jesus, I want to know you. Greater. I don't want to know you in a greater way. I want to know you better, Lord. Lord, I want to, I want to understand you. It's your heart that determines what's going to go on in your spiritual health. Revelations 3.20 is one of the most amazing scriptures. Revelations 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come to him and dine with him and he with me. Do you hear what that's saying? The son of the living God who died on the cross, whose all authority and power is given unto him, says, I'm knocking at your door. Do you want to open it? Let me come in. It's not up to him. It's up to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's not saying, oh, you're an unworthy sinner. You're not good enough. You're a lowly worm of the dust. You're not. No, no. He said, I'm knocking on your door. Do you want to let me come in and I'll sit down and dine with you? Woo! I love Jeremiah 9, 23. It says, says that the most important thing, I'm, cut, I'm simplifying it. He says, you can have all the strength, you can have all the power, you can have everything else, but the most important thing is, do you know God? Do you have a relationship with him? Not know who he is, but you know him. You can look at a situation and say, that's God or that's not. You can just look at it and say, that's, that's God or that's not. Mm. Yeah. You know him. I'll give you an example. My father-in-law sitting over. I know my father-in-law pretty good. I've known him for 39 years. This is my father-in-law. 
And if you were to come to tell me, you know, I saw, they're telling me Bill Schaefer's down there. He's robbing the store. I mean, you know, I'd have to check, had to call Pat first. Is, you know, Bill taking something is something. You know? <laughs> but I would know his heart. And I'd know that the man is not down there robbing the store because I know him. You follow me? Isn't it amazing that people are sitting around wondering if, if the sickness on their body that's killing them, if maybe God put the cancer on them, that God's the God who puts cancer on people to teach you a lesson, and they're trying to figure out if that's God or not? That ain't my God. On one, on one hand, he'll, he'll go, he'll go uh, send his only son to die on a cross for you. And on the other hand, he might be trying to kill you with cancer. I mean, come on, that's not God. When I read my Bible, and I have read my Bible and read my Bible for 30 plus years, and I want to tell you something, I look at the spirit of what the Bible says. And sometimes people will call me with something and they'll, they'll say, they'll say, hey, what about this or what about that? You know, how does this fit in or what is that? And I'm listening to somebody else preaching and I'm like, what did they read? That's my first thought. What did they read that they got out of it what they did? A skewed impression of God. And I was praying about that the other day. You know what the Lord told me? He said they didn't read. They just listened to somebody else. See, again, you go to Bible school and you get all the knowledge that's out there, but if the knowledge that was fed you didn't come from the Word and you can't back it up with the Word and the skewed look at it, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to be just preaching garbage. Now I'm going to go in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19, 3. <clears throat> and I'm going to read some verses here, so, but y'all just bear with me. It says, and Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, do you see what God said? I only want you to do two things. Listen to me and keep covenant. Right? I just want you to keep covenant and listen to me. And then I'm going to, man, I brought you out on eagle's wings. I'm going to lift you up. You're going to be a special people to me. Man, you're going to be my own special treasure. That's all I want you to do. Keep covenant. And listen to me. Now, Israel, let me read on. Let me just read on for you. And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and he called all the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded them. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come up upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourself that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. 
Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. Now when the trump sounds long, they came near the mountain. So Moses went up on the mountain to the people, and they sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. And then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because of the Lord descended upon it in a fire. Its smoke ascends like the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through and gaze at the Lord. Many of them perish. And the priests who came near the Lord consecrated themselves and that the Lord wouldn't break out against them. Now, what a sight this would have been. Are you with me? What a man of faith Moses was to go walk up on the mountain. He said, anybody else touch the mountain, they're going to die. But I want you to come up here and talk with me, all right? Now, if you jump over to Exodus 20, verse 18, it says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains. I'm in 2018, if I didn't say that. And the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking. When the people saw it, they were trembling and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, oh, Will you go speak for us? <laughs> <laughs> These are the same people that have been saying, hey, where's the water? Where's the food? All of a sudden, God shows up and says, oh, Moses, go on over there. We like you to be our spokesperson. Just you go do it. Because they're over there like, oh, you speak with us and we will, we will hear, but let not God speak to us, at least we die. You see, God doesn't want you in a place in life that it's, your relationship with him is like that. That you don't want to go to God because you don't want him to tell you something that he wants you to change. So you have fear and you don't want to go to God because basically you just want God to bless your life and you want to do what you want it to do. You just want it to work. And I'm telling you, you can't buy the bicycle and make it work and not ride it. It doesn't work. You, I don't care. You say, well, Robert, I just know it will. I believe that it will. That's what I want to do. I don't want to sweat. I don't want to be tired. I don't want that. I want to just buy the bicycle, put it in my house, and learn all about it so that I can be healthier. And I said, it's not going to work. Now, see, we use this simple illustration right here. Y'all are all laughing at me because you all all know this. It's easy to understand, but you go to talking about Jesus. Hey, don't be talking to me about it. I believe once saved, always saved. Man, bless God, I got saved. I know I got saved. And I said, God's going to bless me, and I'm going to serve what I want to do, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and everything I want to do, and I want to get to heaven, and I want to see what Okay, but where'd you get that information? Well, I don't know. Somebody said it somewhere. I don't bless God. God wants good hills to do it. I go to another church. One of them don't take so long. Get to lunch quicker. <laughs> One of them don't challenge me. 
So we start adjusting our lives to try to find places. We, we become whatever denomination we want to be that suits us because it's the least amount of change and get into heaven. But then we want the benefits. See, I don't have a problem if you go to a church that doesn't believe in healing. Okay? And you don't want to believe in healing. You don't believe in, a, in healing. You go to a church that doesn't believe in healing. Fine, but when you get sick, shut up. Don't come over to my house at night wanting me to pray for you. Just be quiet and die with a smile on your face. Just shut up. Don't get mad at God and say, why God? People, listen, folks, I, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching good truth here. People, people will say that God did this to them and then be mad at him. Well, if God did it to you, you should be happy. God did it. I love God. Thank you, God. You're killing me. Glory. Let me die ugly if it pleases you, Lord. Don't go to whining and crying about it. My God, don't go to the doctor. Don't go to the hospital. If you think God did it to you, then why are you trying to get well? If he did it to you, you should be wanting to die. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching really good. It goes back to the same old thing. Don't buy your exercise bike, put it in your house, and get call the company and say, I'm not getting any healthier. They would say, well, sir, you have to ride it. How much are you riding it? I don't want to ride it. I do not want to ride it. I don't like sweating. Same thing. It's the same thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't get mad at God. You cannot get mad at God if you think God did it. That's wrong. You either have to understand that you have an enemy out there called the devil. And as long as we're stuck on this earth, we have to deal with the joker. But Jesus said, I'll make a way for you to get out and escape. But you got to listen to me. You got to listen to my voice. You got to move in the steps I tell you to move in. Well, Lord, I don't really want to run through a troop. I mean, my gosh, what if I tripped? We want God to arrange things like we want him to arrange things. And he said, no, you need to listen to me. Do you know something? Riding this bike, if you ever did get on it, do you know that if you ride at a steady pace all the time, no matter how much you turn the resistance wheel on, if you're going at three miles an hour and this little computer screen's telling you you're going three miles an hour and you keep going a steady pace of three miles an hour and you, I don't care how much you turn the resistance knob down, your body will learn what's going on, and you will actually start burning less calories because you are going at a steady pace on a consistent plane all the time. Even though you're exercising, now your body is not working for you. Your body's working against you because your body is determined you're starving to death and it needs to save all the fat that it possibly could. I don't know if y'all know this, but this is what it's doing. Your body has a switch inside its head that says you're dying. We're going to starve tomorrow. It's a zombie apocalypse. We need to say and store all food. So you start exercising, it just starts toning itself out, planing itself out if you ride on a low weight. But do you know that if you ride real fast, and then you ride slow, and then you go tighter and looser, you start changing it up, then you'll start back burning more calories. Okay. So you bought the bicycle, and you've been riding that bicycle, and you've been going along really good. And then all of a sudden, you're just burning the same calories. You know, you have to have some more knowledge to understand how to ride the thing to make it, your body function. 
What happens to Christians is, well, I don't want to ride fast and I don't want to ride slow. I just want to get on it, ride dumb things. It's hard enough for me to get on the thing and ride the thing anyway. Well, you can be hard-headed if you want to. But that thing, your body and that bicycle are going to work together at different intervals. And it's the same thing with Christianity. We say, well, we, I just want God to do it like I want him to do it. Well, it doesn't work that way. You've got to understand and listen to the voice of God. Well, how can you listen to the voice of God if Jesus is on the other side of the door? Well, I'm a busy person. I don't have any time. You better get some conviction in your life of getting time to get and shut the TV off or whatever else you got to do. Because I'm telling you, in 24 hours in a day, you got time to talk to Jesus. It's just that we're just, we're undisciplined swine. I'm telling you, oh, man, you don't, don't, listen to me, folks. I'm not standing here all high and mighty like I did it. I, my body fights. I drag my body to exercise. My body, I will find every excuse, even though I have been doing really good for a year, my body will find every excuse. I, I mean, if it's, it looks like it's raining outside. <clears throat> I feel a little <clears throat> something in my throat. I mean, I can, my body will whine and cry all the way while I'm exercising. And the whole time, all I'm doing is looking at the clock to when I can quit because I'm not doing one <laughs> moment more than I'm supposed to. When I get through, do I feel better? I'm tired. The next day, I feel better. And that's what's got me now. Because you see, I feel better exercising, but then I don't want to exercise. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, stupid? I'm talking to myself all the time. You stupid body. Why are you so against me? And if you listen to what my body says, it is this. We've got to store fat. <laughs> That's all it says. And I say, why? I'm preaching really good. <laughs> and what I'm saying to you is your body cries out. Worship God. No, Jesus. I mean, it doesn't really make any difference. It does. Because then you're going to find yourself in a problem. You're going to find yourself in a tribulation. You're going to find yourself in a trial. And you're going to be screaming then. And I want to tell you something. I have, I have buried too many people that they did not study. They did not go in there. And it was too late at the minute of the fight. Because I want to tell you something. When you're facing a ninja, you better know what you're doing. Did y'all see that the other day? Uh, uh, Mayweather. Took a $9 million fight. I'd have fought that guy for $9 million. That guy was fighting the Chinese kickboxer, number one, whatever. Supposed to be the best kickboxer in China. I mean, in Japan. Uh, just this guy. He went out there, and they get in there, and he knocked him out in the first round like that guy. It looked like me fighting Mayweather. But he got $9 million. $9 million, I'd have crawled in there with Mayweather. And I'd have run faster than the other guy did. I mean, I'd have ducked and dodged and rolled on the ground and jumped and maybe they'd been blowing whistles saying, you can't do that. I'd have been inside the ropes, outside the ropes, on top of the ropes, around there. He'd have never caught me. I'd have run. Man. <laughs> if you're going to go fight Mayweather, you better get in shape. Every one of y'all, if you knew, you knew that you had a fight coming up, you'd be getting ready. You wasn't just going to go out there and not do anything. And I'm telling you, you have an enemy called the devil, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy in your life. And unless you have the conviction of God to grab hold of the word of God, because I'm telling you, the word of God works. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll lose weight on this bike. You'll get stronger in exercise if you do it right. And I can speak that with confidence over a stupid piece of equipment. 
And I'm telling you, in this word of God, Jesus will move into your life and bless you. You cannot imagine the things that God will do for you as a family. But you've got to grab hold of it, and it's got to get in your heart. It cannot be head knowledge. It's got to be heart knowledge. Okay? So look at this. Um, so let me show you this, and let me move on real quick. If you go over to Exodus 34, Moses has gone up to the mountain. I don't want to read, take time to read. It was Exodus 34, 29 through 35. Moses goes up on the mountain. He comes back down. And when he comes back down, everybody goes, oh, because Moses is glowing. He's shining. He's been up in the glory of God. He comes down. He's shining. Everybody says, that's weird. Freaking me out. Don't want to look. So Moses says, everybody's getting freaked out, so I'm going to put a veil over my face. So he put a veil over his face. All right? Now, Moses goes back up on the mountain, just to end the story. Goes back up on the mountain. He comes back down after 40 days. Remember Israel said, yes, we will, we will listen to the voice of God, and uh, we will walk in covenant. They didn't last 40 days. It comes back down the mountain. They already got a gold calf down there. Aaron says, I don't know what happened, Moses. Man, I was just standing down here. I, I, everybody was wanting something. I got some gold. I threw it in there, and a calf popped out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What's going on? Moses gets so mad. He takes the two stone commandment that has the Ten Commandments on it, and he throws them down and breaks them. Now, you got to be pretty confident to take a, a handwritten manuscript by God and chunk it on the ground. But he broke it, right? Okay, last chapter. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Because it doesn't do me any good to tell you this story unless I tell you what to do. Here's the application of the message. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stone was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. Which glory was passing away? How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory and the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory, for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away was glorious, for even what was made glorious is glorious had no glory in, in this respect because of the glory that it, it excels. For what if the passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope as we great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away. In other words, they thought Moses put the veil on because of the shining glory. But Moses put the veil on because he didn't want the people to see that when he wasn't with God, the glory was fading. When he wasn't up on the mountain, the glory was fading. When he wasn't with God, the glory faded. When he wasn't with God, the glory faded. Faded. When he wasn't with God, the glory faded. When he wasn't with God, the glory faded. Look at the person beside you and say, it faded. 
When he wasn't with God, the glory faded. When you're not with God, your glory begins to fail. When you're not with him and you're not fellowshipping with him, your glory fails. Let me read just a little bit more. But their minds were blinded. Wow, I'm okay. I'm healthy. I want to tell you all something, and I hate to even admit this. I hate to admit it, but it is the truth. I would not have attempted to lose any weight if I could have found a pair of shoes that I could have wore that would have made my feet not hurt. If I could have found two pillows to tie around both my feet and still worked and functioned and they did not hurt, I would have never thought that possibly the weight on top of me pushing down had anything to do with it. Are you following me? The only reason why I attempted to lose weight was out of dire need that I had no ability to walk anymore because my feet hurt so bad. I didn't do it like, you know, let's just get healthy. (laughs) I did it because I knew I was not going to live. My father died at 56. My grandfather died at 62. All of heart issues. That'd be kind of a big eye opener when you turn 56. I had motivation based upon dying. That's what I'm saying to you. The stupidity of it is, I'm telling you, we're like that. Not until we're just like, okay, God, I'll read. I'll read. I want to talk to you, Jesus. Not until you're in your last breath, and we shouldn't be like that. The point is, is when your glory starts to fade, when you're squeaking and cranky and whatever else, is it not the truth, though? We don't realize the glory's fading. And we're all grumpy and grappy and fighting with each other and going around. And the next thing we know, uh uh-oh, glory's faded. We didn't know it. We shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be putting veils over our face to hide why the glory's gone. We should be looking for how do we get the glory back. So it says here, nevertheless, when one turns his heart to the Lord, the veil's taken away. When he turns his heart to the Lord, the veil's taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit. Folks, it's a move of the Spirit of God in your life as you cry out for Him. Then it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in you to get you to the point. But He's not going to do it until you open up the gates of your heart and say, here I am. It is amazing that the Holy Spirit is such a gentleman. He will work in your life. He will move in your life. He will try to put this person in the right path and that person in the right path and this in the right path and right over here to do this, to do that, to get you right where you need. But in the, ultimately, he will allow you to go to hell because you don't change. You don't choose because you've got a free will and he will not violate it. The only thing holding God back from flooding into your life is you. I remember one time a person told me, they said, they said, Pastor, you know, that's all crazy. He said, I don't know about all this going to heaven. I don't want to sit up on a cloud playing a harp forever. I said, man, what did you read? If your thought of heaven is that you're just going to sit on a cloud playing a harp for eternity, I said, man, you're stupid. 
You're just stupid. That's not, that's not what the Bible talks about. Where are you getting this information? Well, they all say you're partying down in hell, playing a harp in heaven. I'm like, you're going to think partying in hell. All we have to do is open the gates in our heart and say, Holy Spirit, come in. I want to. I'm hungry for God. Now, I lied to you because I have one more quick scripture I have to show you. Because this is the last one, I promise. Because I got to show you where to go to. Go to James 4, 7. And you can write this one down. And you can go look at it. Because this tells you how to do it. This tells you how to let the Spirit in. James 4, 7 through 10. It's so hard. It's so complicated. It's so difficult. James 4, 7, 10. It tells you how to do it. Submit to God and resist the devil. That's it. Submit to God and resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, he said, look, come on. This is James talking here. He said, he said, he said and here you go. Just draw near to God and resist the devil. And then just as you're submitting, you, you draw near to him. He's going to draw near to you. You move towards him, he moves towards you. You move towards him, he moves towards you. It's not complicated. And then the Holy Spirit will begin to show you how to cleanse your hands. And he will begin to show you how to purify your hearts because you're double-minded. Your thinking is double-minded. That's all you got to do. That's a whole lot easier regiment than telling you you're going to ride that bicycle and how you're going to do it. It's easier to submit to God and resist the devil. So what does that mean? Okay, you're going to submit to God, and then when you want to say what you want to say and you know it's wrong, don't say it. When you want to be ugly, don't be ugly. When you know the devil's tempting you to do something that's wrong, don't do it. Resist. He didn't say overcome. He didn't say beat it. He didn't say conquer. He said resist. What is resistance? I, I, I'm going to go along with that one. It's not giving into it. It's not, I mean, but resistance, it, it, it doesn't say the degree of resistance. Do you follow what I'm saying? Doesn't resistance would be anything. The littlest pull would be resistance, wouldn't it? It's not hard. He's not asking you to do something that's unattainable. He said, I just want you to submit to me. Let me be Lord and resist the devil. And as you do that, then the Spirit's going to have a ministry in you, and you're going to start changing from glory to glory. Pretty easy, huh? Well, praise God. So when you go home and look at that piece of exercise equipment, look in your garage, you will remember this message. Amen. Put your Bibles up. Lord, come up and play something, please. Um, let me have my prayer team come down here this morning. Now, this is what I want to do. I want to pray for you, but I also want my prayer team to come down here today because you may have some, some things that you want to pray about. You may have some things you need to get right. You may have some things going on in life that just need to be, have some words spoken over. If you're in here today or you're out there listening on the broadcast, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And right where you are, He wants to touch your life. If today you don't know that you're saved, you don't know you're right with God, you've never even made this, the, the very first step 
to asking Jesus to come in your life. Well, I want to just give you an opportunity today. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you believe He died and He rose from the dead for you, and you ask Him to come in to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that He will. He'll forgive you of your sins, wash you with His blood, and make you right with God. It's a covenant He's talking about. It's a covenant. If you're in here today and you're not sure that you're right with God, maybe you, maybe you need to rededicate your life. Well, that's when we have prayer people up here. You can come up here and pray with one of them. And today can be the greatest day of your life. But I want to tell you, church, what I want to pray as we close here. Matter of fact, if everybody could just stand up. I want to pray for you. Because I don't want you to lose this message. I want you to hear these words ringing in your ears for a long time to come. You can't buy that Bible and just take it home. You can't just come to church and be in His presence and it change you. You've got to have your hearts open. So I'm going to pray, and you're just going to have to grab hold of this prayer by faith if you want it. And I'm going to pray for you that the Holy Spirit will rest and abide upon you. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone in here, everyone listening, watching. I pray, Lord, right now that no longer would you just be sitting in their home, no longer would you be laying on their coffee tables, but that they would hear the knock on the heart of the door of their heart and they'd open it up Jesus and let you come in and they would yearn and long for to be in your presence and to learn from you to allow the ministry of the spirit to come into their lives they would yearn for you at every moment of every day to just know you in a greater way to be with you to understand your word and that Holy Spirit, you could just have your free reign in their lives. Leading them and guiding them and that they would be your special treasure. They would be your special treasure, O oh Lord. And they'd know it. They would know it. So Lord, here we are. Here's our hearts open to you today. And we thank you for it, Lord. Now grab that person's hand beside you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we seal this message in their hearts and just declare that they're going to leave this room with conviction in their hearts. Go out into the world and they're going to let their light shine. They're not going to be letting their glory diminish, but they're going to let the glory shine, Lord. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. Bless them as they go, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now we're up here to pray for you, church. God bless you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description.
I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.